Before we get started, we need to know what's your New Year's resolution this year? It could be for Chicago or personal. We're putting together an episode and we want you to leave a voicemail at 773-780-0246. You can find the number in the show notes. Leave your name, your neighborhood, and your New Year's resolution. We want as many voices as possible in the episode. Today on CityCast Chicago, Chicago news outlets are warning the public about a city policy that limits access to police scanners. In a statement this week, Chicago news outlets said putting a 30-minute delay on scanners can mean reporters will be late to warn the public about safety threats. They added, it's a blow to transparency and accountability of law enforcement. We sat down with Chicago Sun-Times breaking news reporter Sophie Sherry and asked how the policy affects her doing her job. It's Thursday, December 15th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Sophie, welcome to CityCast. Yeah, thank you for having me. For people who don't work in a newsroom or as part of the media, explain how much newsrooms rely or kind of interface with a police scanner. Like many reporters and editors in the city, uh, listening to the scanner is a huge part of my day-to-day job. Um, You know, back when we all were going into newsrooms every day, you know, pretty much every local newsroom you'd walk into, there'd be some sort of desk with, you know, a bunch of radios and scanners and wires poking out that, you know, just had the police scanner running 24-7, now working from home open my laptop and pull up a stream of that feed uh, that I then am tuned into for the next, you know, eight hours or whatever it is of working. Um, And it basically, you know, as a breaking news reporter, uh, dictates a lot of what I will do for that day. I mean, we're listening in to anything from CTA delays, traffic crashes to shootings, and that sort of indicates what we should be chasing or start making calls mm-hmm. on. I mean, that, and that could even move, I was reading up to things like natural disasters, like when a, a tornado warning is happening or if there's a flood alert right. or things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, you know, you'll hear things like, you know, a tree branch just crashed onto a car on Addison or something like that. So yeah, definitely during even natural disasters can kind of give us a clue of what to be asking about or um, oftentimes, you know, where to start heading with a reporter, a photographer, or a crew. Mm-hmm. Are, are there recent situations where your newsroom relied on the scanner to get information out about an event that you just wouldn't have been able to w- without the scanner or if something was on delay? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the scanner, you know, it's sort of the best insight we have into what police are doing from the moment they get a call to, you know, respond to the scene. Um, so oftentimes, especially during like a major incident, you know, I'm just listening in and noting down sort of that play by play so that when an official statement does come out, you know, I have my own record that I'm able to sort of run against theirs and look out for any discrepancies. I think it was last week, but we had a shooting incident that it turns out, you know, one of us were able to catch on the scanner that actually involved an off duty police officer in some capacity. Um, and it was a very brief mention, but had we not, you know, caught that and known to start asking, the narrative that was quickly put out by police made no mention that, you know, there was an actual member of the Chicago Police Department who had fired a weapon in this incident towards, you know, an individual they claimed was 
attempting to steal catalytic converters. I think oftentimes, you know, we're using the scanner as the, you know, most accurate play by play of, you know, what happens in between a call coming in and, you know, Chicago police arriving on that block there. The big thing that this coalition of organizations is pushing back against is that the city is now encrypting these channels so they're on a 30-minute delay. When did you learn that there would be this delay? Yeah, so I believe this started um, over the summer. People kind of began catching word of this um, in a few of the first zones. Uh, So the scanner, there's 13 channels um, or zones, and each zone is typically, I think, I believe about two districts, um, Chicago police districts. So uh, over the summer, uh, going into the fall, there was, you know, two large zones that, um, became encrypted, meaning we weren't able to hear those live. They would be uploaded to broadcastify and on a 32, 35 minute delay. And from that point on, you know, the city has said that they, you know, want to move to encrypt all zones. There's a very large, community of individuals online who listen to scares who maybe aren't involved in traditional media organizations and so they've also stayed very on top of you know any moment that a channel goes darker you know something like that and now that it's picked up more and more can you think of how that delay has negatively affected you getting information to the public well i mean if you're learning about something in a 30 minute delay a crime scene could be you know completely gone in that time and it's just another way that you know Say there is a call of, you know, a police shooting, you know, that's something that we want to get to as quickly as possible to be able to see for ourselves sort of what's going on um, and hopefully, you know, talk to witnesses or anyone, you know, involved that might still be around there, which, you know, operating on a 30 minute delay obviously just means we're late to those things and, you know, just forced to further rely on whatever official statement comes out from Um, the department, which can be on an even greater delay. And the other concern with this um, encryption, the city has said that dispatchers and police are able to sort of emit information from these encrypted channels before they're put up on this broadcastify. And obviously that's, you know, supposed to be what sensitive information, whatever that means, we're not really sure. But just any notion that there could be things omitted from a feed that's traditionally been, you know, the most one of the more reliable forms of what's going on in real time, you know, is concerning for all of us. As the Chicago Police Department is currently under a consent decree and, you know, these federally mandated standards at an attempt for reform. But are there concerns that distributing the scanner on a delay could put even those things at risk? Totally. The fact that, you know, we're the department is currently under a consent decree for a lack of transparency. And, you know, we're now taking away even more access uh, to that department is incredibly concerning and you know the fact that they've made clear that they will now have the power to sort of emit information i think media and you know all folks have you know real you know fair reason to be concerned uh given the history of this department and what they are supposed to be working on right now i appreciate the work that you do 
when I think of the people who are listening to police scanners for eight hours a day, my first thought is maybe not a breaking news journalist. I'm thinking about the people on Twitter who are just like shooting over here, robbery over here, shooting over here. And I'm going to be real. It it adds to what I think is a false narrative about safety in Chicago. Does that use of the scanner in those ways, you know, make your job even harder? I think it can at times. And I think having access to this information, you know, comes with a real responsibility. I mean, something you won't see if you go to the Sophie Sherry feed is me tweeting out whatever's said over the scanner. Because, and some of those accounts that do this are very transparent that, and make clear that that what's read on the scanner is not verified information by any means. As someone who's listening to it, a hours a day, you will hear some crazy things that would probably, you know, get people riled up that end up being completely untrue. You know, the amount of times you hear someone calling in an active shooter or someone with a weapon somewhere very public that's just not at all, you know, accurate is often. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that you bring up that last point, because when I when I think about media organizations, for a lot of them, the way the news cycle works right now, it's get it out, get it out, get it out. If, if it bleeds, it leads still seems to be a common practice. And the sad reality of your job is you're reporting on a lot of shootings and homicides. Does the public need to know about every single shooting that happens if if the event doesn't, you know, present a, you know, a you know, maybe a mass public safety threat? How, how do you make that discretion? Well, I think we have a whole very long conversation about the future of, you know, what has historically been known as the crime beat um, or the way that newsrooms have handled uh, these stories. And it is incredibly hard because, you know, and I think certain newsrooms are starting to push against this notion that we need to get, you know, what is the value of getting a quick story with limited information that relies heavily on the police out about every shooting. You know, I would argue that's not something, you know, how is that benefiting our readers or the public? But obviously, you know, there are stories that are, you know, need to be told, you know, and families and individuals impacted by violence that want their story shared and told. Um, And obviously that takes like a little bit more work that center the individuals involved and, you know, maybe focus on what solutions could be instead of just quick hits of every shooting in every neighborhood or every armed robbery that's, you know, claimed to be perpetrated by some crew running wild on the across the city. And I make no attempt to put the pressure of of fixing or drawing out the best solutions on your shoulders. But as somebody who is engaged in this work daily, you know, what do you think needs to change on the crime beat, even as we continue to to fight for more transparency, telling more complicated stories, making sure we're we're naming people correctly. What do you think needs to change? You know, individuals want to know what's going on in their neighborhood but at times you know if you're just hounding people with very limited stories of incidents of violence you know that creates sort of a false perception of what's going on around here you know i think it's going to take kind of pivoting a beat to look more community oriented and solutions oriented yeah i think we have a responsibility to covering violence and trauma to you know cover the full story of it and you know, what 
what circumstances led an individual to maybe cause harm and, you know, how the individual impacted by that harm is recovering and what people and communities need to recover from harm like that. The family getting evicted doesn't come across the police scanner. The family who can't put food on the table doesn't come across the police scanner. But at the same time, we have to understand these scanners are a primary way that we come to understand how police are seeing, thinking about and moving through scenarios. And and we have to be able to hold them accountable. What's next? We've gotten a lot of people involved who I think are going to hopefully keep pushing the mayor's office. I think that's one of the big apps from the coalition at the moment is just to, you know, have a sit down with the mayor and city officials to sort of patch, hash this out. Um, and, you know, that sounds like a fairly simple request. The city claims they need to encrypt these for the safety of officers or the safety of the department. You know, one thing that the coalition has asked for is that if it would be an option to create this, you know, separate website or feed that media organization would then have a login to be able to use, you know, as credentialed media organization. Sophie Sherry is a wire reporter with the Chicago Sun-Times. Thank you so much, Sophie, for stopping by. Thank you for having me. We asked the Office of Emergency Management, or OEMC, several questions about this new policy, and they sent a statement that said, Encrypted radios will eliminate rogue radios that disrupt the day-to-day traffic for emergency personnel and that they will provide added protection for communities and the personal information of victims, suspects, witnesses, and juveniles. We also asked if information was being omitted from the feeds and whether media could get a feed that's in real time. An OEMC spokesperson did not answer those questions. Mayor Lori Lightfoot was asked about the issue yesterday at a press conference. Here's how the mayor responded. You have individuals in our community blowing whistles, air horns, and doing other things um, to uh, interrupt and disrupt the communications from the dispatchers to the police officers and so forth. And then finally, some people are even taking it even further and doing things like um, calling 10 ones, meaning officer down, to... to um, send officers um, on a, um, of a false emission. In the interest of transparency, which of course you, you campaigned on three years ago, what you just cited sounds like issues where the public would be listening in, but what about journalists, serious no, news? I, or, it, is there a way for- it's, a, it's the same, you can't have one without the other. I, one of the proposals that the media came and said was, oh, let us have access, but nobody else. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The long-promised red line extension got one step closer to reality as city council approved the creation of a TIF district that will send close to a billion dollars in tax revenue over the next 35 years to extend the red line further south to 130th Street and Algale Gardens. Speaking of long time coming, after almost a decade of work, hundreds of millions of dollars spent, and years of delays, most of the construction on the Jane Byrne interchange is expected to be completed Friday. And some good news to get you through. Today is the 12th anniversary show of Grown Folk Stories at the Promontory in Hyde Park at 7 o'clock. This is the show that really helped me find my voice as a performer in the city. If you want to tell your story, you can grab a ticket, put your name in the cup, and maybe you'll get picked and go on stage. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Peace.
she should be a news anchor with a name like <laughs> Sophie Sherry. Sophie Sherry reporting on and the And we're scene. going back to the newsroom with Sophie Sherry. Sophie Sherry. Sophie, <laughs> what is happening on the corner of Weston and Lawrence? I hear the pigeons are pooing everywhere. 